We're back with another edition of Riverland Footy Folklore brought to you by BJR Painting Services, one of the best and most affordable painters in the Riverland. Call 0418 127 to speak to Brody for all of your indoor and outdoor painting needs. Our guest today is a local footy personality who is probably better known for his exploits with the Willow, but he's also one of our men in green, a 430-game umpiring veteran and an RFL life member. He is, of course, Todd Charlton. Welcome, mate. G'day, Nick. How are you going? Good, thanks, mate. 430 games in the green. That's, yes. That's a hell of a lot of games, mate. Yeah, no, definitely. It's been a long time. Um, yeah, started off probably as a, about a 20-year-old. Um, really just started umpiring just to keep fit for cricket, really. Um, with cricket probably being my focus back then. I uh, did it for five years and, um, yeah, then we opened a business and mm. uh, good old dad said to me, I don't think umpiring is probably the sort of thing you should be doing if you're trying to uh, create a new business. <laughs> yeah, um, so, uh, but it was all my, always my intention to get back into it. So, yeah, I've been probably doing it for probably you know, the last 12 years and, um, yeah, it's been, uh, like I said, a long period, but, yeah, 430 games. It's, um, yeah, it's been a challenge at times, but, yeah, it's been very enjoyable. Yep. Uh, your dad, Graham, who is, of course, a, a legend of Riverland Sport, was... Yep. Um, heavily involved in local footy uh, yep. throughout his life. Did, did you play much footy as a young fella? Probably only played up to uh, oh, probably first couple of years in under 18s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, probably just because cricket was my focus. Um, yep. Yeah, so I, I probably trained pretty hard uh, um, in that period you know, with my cricket, especially in the off season. So um, um, yeah, so I probably just thought that yeah, footy probably wasn't for me. Yep. Um, and as I said, yeah, I probably always still watch the game and. Um, and then yeah, got involved with the umpire and probably just to, to you know, keep me fit for uh, for the cricket that I was, you know, like I said, was my focus at that time. Yep. We'll, we'll come back to your dad a little bit yep, later. That's fine. Um, you're obviously a very talented batsman as a, as an adult, but what about as a teenager? What were you involved in state teams or Murray Districts teams as a, as a uh, Definitely. Um, back then, it was probably more. Um, um, yeah, underage stuff, not state teams, but mm-hmm. definitely uh, represent Murray Districts and Riverland. Um, there was a Shell Shield Carnival back in my day, and which was an under 17s um, sort of country carnival. So, um, so yeah, I was heavily involved in that. Um, probably as a junior, played at West Torrens for a, a couple of years. Yeah, okay. um, just probably only in their C's and B grade, but um, yeah, just the uh, the travel involved um, and probably being from the, the country was pretty hard to force your way through. Yeah. Um, and probably pretty lucky that, you know, I played for Loxton um, probably as a 14-year-old. Um, couldn't get a game at the Berry Cricket Club because they had a pretty strong, you know, probably a veteran team back in then. And mm-hmm. Grub Madden, um, obviously my dad was a bit involved with Loxton with the footy club, so Grub Madden gave me an opportunity to play agro cricket at a pretty young age. and. Yep. Won a premiership with uh, with those guys in his second year over there. We had a really young team with Michael Gucci and and Tony Filkey and uh, and Steve Jackman were probably the four forwards were pretty young. Um, but then the year after that, I uh, I got a job at Berry Vale Orchards with Paul Stewart, mm-hmm. and um, and he was obviously a you know playing cricket for Berry Cricket Club and came to Berry and um, yeah. So and we were pretty lucky. We we had a pretty good era there where um, you know we had a lot of guys about the same age and we probably played together for quite a few years and was pretty successful in that time. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to mention that you played in a really successful era. Yeah. The fifteen premierships, and yeah. um, and yourself, you won four cricket of the cricketer of the year titles. Yeah. Um, but that was a really tough era to play cricket in, wasn't it? It wasn't just Barry that was strong. There was yeah. a lot of lot of strong teams. In, yeah, definitely. Era. When I first started, you know, um, you know, Barham had a pretty strong team with mm-hmm. you know Mickey Swearsberg and a few of those guys. Um, Remark was strong, you know, throughout, and Loxton as well. Yeah. Um, and Wakery had a pretty strong um, team with, you know, Don and Wayne Darling were playing back in those days. So, uh-huh. yeah, when I first started, the cricket was really strong. Um, 
and um, yeah, and that was great. And, and probably you know the 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 cricket was reasonably strong, I think, throughout my time at Berry. Um, and obviously, you know, numbers is a bit of a problem at the moment, but um, um, for the local stuff. But um, but yeah, we really had some some fun times there. And and as you said, you know, being involved with fifteen premierships was um, yeah, we weren't always the best team, but. We seem to have a yeah, you know, pretty good team through those through those times. Just a knack of finding a way. At the yeah, end, no, that's right. Yeah, um, it wasn't just locally success for you. you uh, went on to excel for, for Murray Districts and even the SA Outbacks country team against a, a Les Fable eleven. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it was, I think it was a high yeah, yeah. We um, fortunate. Um, yeah, I did play for the SA Outbacks. Went away on four times to uh, uh, you know national carnivals in Newcastle, Canberra, and in Albury in Western Australia. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the uh, the game on uh, was after a um, a country carnival in Adelaide, um, which was a local. You know, every February we used to go down yep. for a two week carnival, and um, this particular time, um, first time ever, they actually decided to play their combined game on the uh, the main Adelaide Oval mm-hmm. ground. Um, so I found this out just before we went, and I thought, well, here's an opportunity to try and get on Adelaide Oval. Absolutely. And, and I was pretty lucky. I made some big scores early in that carnival. Um, I think that year I might actually tied. I think I might have won the um, the uh, the player of the carnival, and then yeah, got to got to open the batting um, on Adelaide Oval, which was yeah. which was great. Bit of a funny story there that um, Sean Tate was only uh, 17, 17 years of age at that stage, yep. and he was playing for Sturt. Now the Favel Eleven was um, was selected by you know ex ex country cricketers playing at um, district level in Adelaide, mm-hmm. and uh, Sean Tate was selected um, yeah, to wow. play against me, <laughs> but fortunately for me, he. Uh, he got picked for the uh, for the the uh, um, state team mm. for the next week, so he had to pull out. So um, I could have quite easily been open the batting. You might not have been here to tell the tale. Mate. I might not have. No. <laughs> so um, yeah, it would have been a bit of an experience, but probably one that I'm glad probably didn't happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, how close were you to taking your cricket to the next level? Um, you know, playing great cricket and then potentially yeah, USA. Probably um, ever, in, ever in the cards or no? Probably not. Once I decided that you know it was too well with West Torrens, um, and probably being a local Riverland lad, and and probably because the cricket was so strong up here, um, mm-hmm. and had some you know some really good friendships that I formed. Um, you know Matthew Clifford and Paul Stewart; those guys all played for SA Country as well. Hayden Cause, so. Um, so yeah, it made the decision pretty easy to play up here, and probably having the backing of you know the, the great Don Woon was um, a great supporter of us local cricketers, mm-hmm. and and definitely gave us all opportunities to play, um, to make to put our country cricket as high as we could by making the um, you know the the Murray Districts teams, and then also going on to play SA Country, yeah. um, you know. So that was the elite competition you could ever play in mm-hmm. um, as a country cricketer. Um, so yeah, I, at the time I was pretty happy with that, and probably because Barry was pretty successful as a team and the competition like as you said was pretty strong you know i was happy to play cricket in the riverland yeah for sure uh we probably haven't produced a cricketer of an elite level for a long time um what are your thoughts of the state of the cricket in the riverland now and, and in south australia as a whole yeah i think regionally it's a numbers game and it's you know it is struggling no doubt um you know the, the depth of cricketers in the riverland is is probably nowhere near as what it was you know um you know probably 20 30 years ago um but, you know, you've got guys, you know, playing locally at the moment that obviously are a dominant force. You know, young Evan Gregoric, I think, has got mm. the mo- probably the, you know, from what I've seen, the ability to probably really go on and play district cricket. Yeah. Um, you know, whether he can go on further than that, you know, he's probably the age now where he's got to make a call on that. But, um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I think South Australia in general, you know, the cricket from, from Sheffield Shield downward is, 
has really struggled, um, you know, probably over the last 20-odd years anyway. Um, and I'm not sure what the answer is. You know, I think junior cricket under under four, I've been involved with the under-14s at Berry and while that was going through, mm-hmm. you know, kids want to play up to that under-14-year-age group, but then after that, you tend to lose them. So, um, you know, the current Riverland competition hasn't got an under-16 um, competition and hasn't had for probably a few years. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's, that's where it stops because, you know, kids... You know, it's a lot of kids don't want to play senior cricket at that age. So unless the Riverland can get that going, and they're competing against so many different sports, you know, yeah. um, you know, it's in the time t- same time slots too. And with all the big basketball stadiums being built now, you know, you don't have to be honest on the workout that all the kids are going to follow the, the basketball because it's a you know an hour long sport. They don't have to sit in the sun. Parents can watch it. It's not like the old days where it was footy in winter cricket. In exactly. The yeah. You know, you think about the man hours we spent in the sun. You know, playing cricket, whereas now the kids have got different different opportunities. So, mm. yeah, I think cricket will struggle over the next few years. But um, but I think internationally, you know, kids love watching the Big Bash and yeah, all that. So, stuff's going. Yeah, it'll yeah. always be there. But I think, you know, maybe possibly the you know, senior cricket will struggle. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Riverland Footy Folklore with Todd Charlton, brought to you by BJR Painting Services. Um, from cricket to footy, yep. tell me about the first game you ever umpired. Was it a nerve-wracking experience? No, it's funny. I... Uh, when I first started, our panel was pretty strong. And you, uh, my first game was, I remember, an under-13 game at Barmer. Um, I reckon I umpired with Brian Finn, who had actually umpired for quite a few years um, at that junior level. Yeah, no, it was, it was quite good. I think, and actually, the first couple of years, I just did junior footy. Mm-hmm. And I think that taught me a fair bit because you had to not only be um, an umpire, but you had to be a bit of a communicator and, and a bit of a coach as well mm-hmm. because, you know, sometimes kids need a bit of guidance. Um, so I think that's helped me over the years to... Um, to uh, yeah, to communicate with the players. Um, you know, although I didn't play the game um, as long as probably some of the you know you, some of the guys that are umpiring, I think you know having some experience on the sporting fields has definitely kind of helped me to umpire as well. Um, I was going to ask, you, was, was it easy to to adapt to football coming from a different game in cricket, which is probably yeah in a lot of ways a lot easier to officiate because yep. it's very black and white, yep. whereas footy's got a lot of nuances and, and of course you need to be quite fit as well yeah I think it's always I've always watched footy so I always had an involvement in it um, and uh, yeah I didn't find out I think it's just um, yeah it's probably just learning you know I had some good teach, good um, you know coaches at the time you know when I first started umpiring um, which definitely taught me the right way you know sometimes players can ex-players find it a bit hard because they follow the ball whereas mm-hmm. as an umpire you've got to try and get away from the ball so you've got a visual you know, you've got a vision of what's kind of going on and what you yeah. can see. So that was probably easier for me. You know, I know someone like Rod Koshy, who I'm good mates with, that took up umpiring after playing over 300 games. You know, he struggled a bit to start with because he was trying to follow the ball. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he started running, you know, twice as much as everyone else because he was following the ball around. So, um, so yeah, it probably wasn't hard. It's probably just that, um, yeah, learning to do it the right way and then having the... Um, having the, the confidence to, to play a decision, even if you get it right or wrong, because, you know, you're not going to get everything right. But yeah. one thing I was taught was make sure your body language is strong, even if you get it wrong. So then at least the, the visual impact on you is that people think you've got it right, mm-hmm. um, whether you have got it wrong or right at the time. So yeah, fair uh, <laughs> that's something I've always learned. You know, I think my body language is reasonably strong. And um, if you can convey that to, to the people watching, then they think you've probably made the right decision. But umpires are like players, aren't they? Everyone exactly. makes mistakes. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's a natural part of the game. So I think sometimes the, uh, the crowds and supporters yeah. don't, don't understand that. And but... they're seeing sometimes from a different side of the, the angle that you're seeing. You know, we're probably mm-hmm. seeing it from inside the play, whereas the spectators are seeing it from the outside. So, you know, it's, it's obviously going to probably see things sometimes a little bit differently. 
Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes as, as footballers, we, we know, you can just get that feeling that you're going to have a bad day or a good day. Yep. Um, it could just be a feeling or, a, or maybe it might be an errant bounce early in the game. Yep. Is it the same for umpires? And, oh, definitely. Yeah, and if so, how do you come back from that? Yeah, I think, um, oh, no doubt you, you go off the off the ground and uh, and think, oh, I've had a bad day today or whatever, mm-hmm. I've made a few mistakes. Um, um, but then on the flip side of that, sometimes you hear people say, oh, well, umpired today or I didn't notice you today, which is probably as an umpire good because if you mm-hmm. have not noticed, you know that you've, you've probably done a pretty good job. Yeah. As far as overcoming it, I think you just got to try and move on as quick as you can. You know, I've made some, I've made some big blunders over the years where, you know, it's probably impacted me straight away where you think oh you know you're probably thinking about that decision you've you've got wrong but you've just got to try and uh, block it out the best you can and just move on because if, if you make one mistake and you're thinking about that one you'll probably make another three or four quickly ones after it so yeah. um so yeah i think experience comes with that as well and like i said confidence of of making sure that you're doing the right things to get in the right position and you know hopefully you can you, you do get it more more right than wrong yeah. How's your centre bounce form? You you're good with the with the bounce? Or? Well, when I first started, we had to bounce. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, and that was I know a lot of umpires struggled with it because yeah. you were probably more like even before a game, you weren't even focusing on what you know you're required to do as far Just as decision one, making. One you're worried about the bounce. Yeah. yeah so, um, <laughs> but yeah, now now we throw it up. But even throwing it up, you know, we practice at training throwing the ball up all the time because. Mm. You know, if you throw out one bad one, then you're worried about your next one, and then you know it's no different to any sport. If yeah. you, you know, if you miss a get few serves yips. in tennis, <laughs> you bloody you got the yips for the you know next. So it's just um, so yeah, this is one part of the game which we we practice even the throwing up. And and one thing that I've tried to teach others over the years is try and get the same routine each time you do it because mm-hmm. you know um, if you get that routine right, then generally you're um, you know you're going to get it right. But yeah, bouncing was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, back in the Early days, they used to put the old uh, metal plates in the in the oh, center, course, yeah. you know, the center areas to bounce off of, and that was a nightmare because they used to go everywhere. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you umpired ten grand finals over the years, which is a remarkable effort. Um, which one was your favourite? To yeah, it's funny. It's it's uh, it's hard to remember some of them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we've done ten, uh, and I've actually missed three due to injury. I' a bit unfortunate that I um, yeah I've had a couple of Achilles problems and. And actually, all my injuries have happened on preliminary final day. Would you believe? That's so, desperately unlucky. Yeah, it is. So, I've, yeah, what, the first year I, um, I, um, I actually hit it for my coaches and, and got got to the uh, the Wednesday night before the grand final. Yeah. And kind of was just trying to get through, and then um, you know I couldn't really run on that Wednesday night, and and then Father Steve was our coach at that time, and I had to ring him on the Wednesday night and say, "Mate, I've got to pull out." So yeah, so yeah, we got ten out of probably ten out of the last thirteen. So mm-hmm. uh, probably the best one. Um, well, I reckon last year's would take some beating because you know everyone thought Wakery were were uh, going to win, and then Remark had such a great season under good leadership, and um, and it was just a seesawing game. You didn't really know right to the end, um, yeah. you know who was who was going to win. But probably not sure of the year, but um, uh, Wakery Barmer at Remark when I think Jimmy Thompson, 2012. yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Thompson turned it on the second half, and um, mm. I think he might have hit six or something for Wakery in that second half. And uh, but Barmer um, still still got over the line, so that was a good game. Yeah. Um, it's funny I played a decision talking about nearly making mistakes. Played a decision that day. Um, a Barmer guy took a hanger, which was which was a picture in the um, in the front page of the Pioneer that week. Um, and when he went up for the mark, he actually pushed the guy out in front. And I was, I blew my wrist to play a push, but in the same time, he actually got up and he, he took this big hanger 
So I changed my signal to, um, instead of playing a push, I changed it to a mark. <laughs> so it could have been the biggest mistake I've ever made because I, um, like I said, it was a was a photo in the Murray Pony yeah. the week of, of the guy taking the big hanger. So yeah, but that was a that was a great game. Is it easy to adapt in that situation? Because you see, sometimes a lot of umpires will make a call and they'll stick with it, which is yeah, yeah, understandable. Yeah. Because yeah. if you make a call and that's the way you see it, yeah, that's what you got to go with. Yeah, that was just a quick interpretation thing. Whereas I, you know, I was side on, seen, seen him kind of go up and 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 kind of push, but then he got such a good ride and he took them to the mark. So I probably blew my whistle. At the same time, he was taking the mark, so it was easy just to change my signal. Yep. But um, yeah, we spoke That's about the theatre of it all. <laughs> yeah, but we spoke about it afterwards, and I said to the other mums, you know, remember that that mark? Um, yeah, I could have quite easily made a biggest blunder ever there because you know, obviously the crowd was was up when he took that hanger, and um, so yeah, it could have been my biggest mistake <laughs> ever. <laughs> Excellent. Um, as as we all know, obviously. Um, Umpire abuse, which we yep. mentioned briefly before, can get out of hands at times um, from spectators who might have had a few too many yeah. loudmouth soups. Yep. <laughs> how, how do you handle that? And what effect does it have on you as a person and, and your family as well? Because yeah. obviously they come to watch games and Definitely. Um, yeah, and your friends as well. They don't want to hear that sort no, of thing. No, exactly. But one thing I will say is that the players over my all my career have been great. You know, the player abuse is very minimal. You know, you'd get the odd thing, but we, we can deal with that on the ground with with penalties and cards and all that. So especially local players over the years have been so supportive to not only me but all our umpiring group. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the, the players that travel up can be a little bit different because, you know, they obviously don't know who we are. Um, but, yeah, so over the years the players have been great. As far as crowd abuse, this has probably been more, no doubt my biggest challenge mm -hmm. um, because uh, I think I said to you earlier, um, you know, I've been I've been a pre our president of our, our, local, our footy association for quite a few years. And I've sometimes taken on board to, that I think we need to try and stamp out abuse so we um, we create a bit more positive environment for our umpires, but also we don't lose umpires because the biggest reason we lose umpires is due to abuse. Um, but over the years, you know, I've tried to address it with coaches and sit down with coaches and talk about it, um, talk to, uh, you know, have clubs talk to some spectators. But mm -hmm. I think I've learnt um, over the years that you're never going to stop it. Um, you're going to hear it. You just got to try and deal with it the best way you can, and not let it affect the way you're umpiring. Um, and then, yeah, and then just try and move on. I've learnt, you know, come five fifteen, five thirty on a Saturday night, you know, I'll have a bit of. We sometimes go for a bit of a debrief as a group. Sometimes mm -hmm. we meet for a meal to have a chat about how we went or whatever. Um, but I've learned over the years just you've just got to try and um, get in your car, go home, and forget about um, and forget about it. But as far as my family, my kids didn't come. My kids were young when they were really young. They came to footy once and um, they didn't want to go for a few years. My lad didn't want to play, but then he started playing. And I think now, um, yeah, my kids very rarely go and watch me umpire, but probably just due to that abuse. But mm -hmm. that's just their decision. Um, and my dear old dad only watched me one out of all my games, only watched me umpire once. And that was a, uh, a game down at Lamaru when I did an exchange and the Maynard boys, the old Nord yeah, Maynard okay. boys were yeah. playing and he wanted to watch them. Um, and that was his choice um, because he thought that for for all the for all his life, uh, you know, watching footy and whatever, he he didn't think footy was the best thing for me, just probably due to the abuse and just due to the business as well. Mm -hmm. um, but that was his opinion, um, and uh, so he never watched me really. But yep. uh, but saying that he never probably never missed watching a game of cricket. So mm -hmm. um, so it's not that he wasn't being supportive, but he just didn't really think that umpiring was probably the best thing for me. But that, yep. but that was his opinion. Yeah. For sure. 
Um, you mentioned some of the local players are uh, some of the better ones. The umpires, any any that stand out as you know, yeah. blokes who just get on with the game and oh, definitely. You know, there's a lot. And as I said, they're all local sort of lads because you know mm. they're they're so respectful. You mentioned Jimmy Thompson. You know, he's probably been my favourite player over the years because he's. So, you know, there wouldn't be a game that I go and umpire Waker where Jimmy doesn't say hello, how are you going, Charlie, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been a star. Some of the games he's turned on, you know, over the years, um, you know, when he goes up forwards, unbelievable. You know, Peter Saffenberry, you know, probably Pete. It's sometimes um, uh, hard umpiring some good mates, but, you know, I played through some cricket premierships with, with Saff, and, um, mm-hmm. but he's been so good and so um, so helpful over the years. You know, he'll, he'll tell me if I've made a bad call or whatever, but it does in a respective way. Um so uh, Thorpey from Remark's been great. Um, you know he's been playing a long time and and been respective, respectful all the time. Um, Box and North had some great blokes, I reckon. Um, Ryan Proud, yeah. Josh Nelson, um, Pickles Arnold. You know all those guys because I started umpiring a lot of those guys when I first started, and mm. and um, you know over the years, you know, not saying they've never given me a spray, but they um, <laughs> they've been uh, they've been pretty good. And um, you know Jakey Smith from from Barmer. Yeah, so there's a number of players over the years, um, you know, even through the independents as well. There's been a number of guys that um, um, I've umpired over the years that, uh, you know, I don't get to umpire them that much these days. But, um, but yeah, I think they appreciate you going out and having a crack at it. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I understand um, Johnny Matthews from Waker oh, has been a big, big influence. In oh, definitely, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, Johnny was our team manager when we used to go to the Murray District Cricket Carnivals as a, as a team manager and as a trainer. And um, yeah, he's uh, he was really supportive back through then. And uh, mm-hmm. when I was started to take up umpiring, you know, he was he was probably the main man at Wakery. You know, he was whatever Johnny said, you know, happened at Wakery. Yeah. And um, and over the years, you know, his support I think has helped because I've always enjoyed umpiring Wakery, and I wouldn't say a lot of umpires have sometimes. Um, but uh, I think it was Johnny's influence that uh, made that easier because you know I think some of the abuse and that. Um, that may have been coming my way, Johnny would probably knock on the head. I'm yep. not saying he thinks I've got everything right as well because he'd tell me if I did wrong. But but I, I have, like I said, I have had some Achilles injuries and sort of things and there's never a time when I couldn't ring Johnny on a Sunday morning and say, Johnny, can you um, check out my back or check out my legs or whatever? And he'd just say, come down, mate. So yep. he would have put in so much time just for me over those years. Um, Unfortunately, old Johnny Boy is not that well at the moment. He's, you know, he, he can't do what he, he used to love to to do, and that was be a trainer for over fifty years for the Wakery Footy Club, which mm. is an amazing feat in itself. Um, and I did, uh, I caught up with him last Sunday. I drove to Wakery and uh, sat down for an hour and just, uh, you know, had a bit of a chat. And um, yeah, I've got so much time for Johnny, and I'm so thankful because, you know, uh, he got me. Um, yeah, he got me my legs, you know, when I've torn my Achilles a couple of times, he just spent the time, you know, yeah. weekly, two or three times to, to get me right. And um, and I've got no doubt that's why I've done a few grand finals because he's, he's mm-hmm. got me there. So, I, yeah, I, I can't thank Johnny enough, to be honest with you. He's a great bloke and he's been great over the years. Not only me, but he was also a great friend of my dad's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you received RFL Life membership last year. Yeah, I did, um, yeah. Come great. as a... Shock. I mean, you umpired a lot of games, but uh, yeah. umpire life memberships aren't normally handed out. No, they're not. Year. I think there is a criteria there mm-hmm. for um, for uh, to receive life memberships. So um, you know, we've had a few guys. You know, Mike Horsman, um, mm-hmm. Tony Florence, Warren Cousins, yeah. um, Shane Semler, I think could be one as well. Anyone that's probably done over, you know, probably four hundred plus sort of games. Yeah, yeah. Generally gets recognised. They probably don't get recognised probably as quickly as I did, you know, I was a bit surprised to get it as soon as I, you know, hit four, like just over 400 games. Um, mm. But I think probably my role with the, 
with the like with our own association um you know the effort i've put in there as president for probably 10 plus years probably you know stood me in reasonable good stead as well so mm -hmm. yeah great um yeah great honor really you know um i'm pretty lucky i have been you know a life member of the, the cricket club as well and you know, I think, you know, you probably know exception. You know, a lot of guys out at Pringer over you always have been out there for a long, long time. And in the end, you put so much effort into something that, you know, you don't do it for those those accolades. But it's definitely good to be appreciated uh, for the for the effort I put in, especially with the with the umpiring over, you know, like I said, such a long time. Definitely at league level as well, obviously. Um, yeah. We'd best talk about your dad, Graham. Yeah. He passed away in 2018. Yep. You were really close with him, weren't you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He was... He was my uh, mentor in everything, the life, um, sport, you know. And business partner? Oh, business, you know. He was, there wasn't a day that dad wouldn't ring me, you know, at you know, quarter past nine in the morning to make sure I'm okay and at half past five to see how the trading day went at the shop. Yeah. So, um, and he's, you know, right up to the end, he was uh, he was still doing my, um, paying my creditors and that sort of stuff to take the load off of me. So, um mm -hmm. You know, he was, even though, you know, his latter years, he wasn't a business partner because my good mate Matthew Clifford kind of bought his shares out. Um, but he was still regarded as the boss. You know, if we ever had any, if me and Doc, Doc Clifford ever had any issues or had any um, things we wanted to, to discuss with stock mix or whatever for the business, we would go to Dad and just some advice because, unfortunately, you know, he had that old boy's head that, mm. you know, you always put, used to put another... Uh, opinion onto something so um so yeah very lucky now i suppose he's he's you know his involvement with sport you know through the radio and through his um writing with the sunday mail for you know 30 plus years um he um he loved nothing more than promoting riverland sport. he did yeah yeah, yeah. promoting riverland sport and and um and giving you know especially on his radio show giving uh, the opportunity for sports uh, that sometimes don't get the publicity to be given an opportunity to to uh, to wear, you know what their sports all about, mm -hmm. you know. And I think now that's still continuing with the guys doing it there. And um, you know, I've been lucky. You know, Dad's kind of left that bit of a legacy where I've not that I'm trying to be him. I'm very conscious of not trying to do think I'm trying to take over what Dad did. But um, you know, I'm probably involved in the sports show a little bit with the with the young guns and trying to promote junior sport and. Um, and it was funny, you know, when Dad was really crook, I was I was kind of writing his Sunday Mail articles for him because he mm -hmm. couldn't do it, and um, was still putting it under under his name. And then uh, when I had to tell the Sunday Mail that unfortunately Dad had passed away, he um, and I had been writing the articles for him for a few weeks. They said, "Well, do you want to do it?" And I, I've never really been a you know a journalist or anything like that. I've mm -hmm. always loved sport, and know what's going on with the Riverland area with sport. So I said, "Yeah, I'll have a go." And I'm lucky enough I've been was doing that for. You know, for a year and a half, but unfortunately now because there's no sport, that's kind of just been put on the yeah. back burner a little bit. But um, um, hopefully that, you know, when things kick off again, we'll be able to give that opportunity to um, to write, you know, for sport. But as you said, you know, he's, he loves sport. He was involved with Loxham Footy Club for a number of years. and um, But, yeah, definitely been a, you know, he was my best mate. So, you know, you can't replace best mate. So nah, find that hard every day, especially in business, you know, you just haven't got that sounding board anymore. And, you know, in these challenging times, it's probably even more important to have someone like him, you know, available. But yeah. unfortunately, that's not the case. So life goes on. Yeah. I imagine you're extremely proud of his legacy. That oh, he's left, no doubt. And, you know, it's funny, the um, the legends of sport, um, you know, he, he's, him and Cheryl Lardner kind of set that up with, mm -hmm. with just some thought process of dads, you know, always thinking about others and trying to promote um, the achievements of others. You know, mm -hmm. he was involved with the... 
the sports person of the year, you know, for as a judge for numerous amount of years and kind of kept that going really. Um, and it's still a you know a strong night now. Um, and once again, you know, I've been lucky to get involved in that as a judge um, through Dad's involvement. But yeah, it was it was funny. I spoke to Greg Backer about maybe getting the uh, the Legends of Sport and kind of named after Dad um, when he was really crook and and we 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 spoke about it, but we didn't actually um, agree on it until right to the last moment. Yeah, okay. And the Friday, well, Dad passed away on the, the Saturday morning, and the Friday night, Greg had agreed to. Yeah, we definitely got changed the name to the Graham Charlton Legends wow. of Sport. And I never got to tell Dad, unfortunately, but yeah. um, I'm sure he'd be really proud. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, like I say, well, his legacy is um, something to be proud of, and I'm sure you'd be very proud of your achievements as well, mate. Okay, so we just do our last section now, the, the fast five, so five quick questions, Toddy. Um, just answer them as, as best you can and yep. as quickly as you can, mate. Um, so first question, bounce or ball up? Which one? Oh, definitely ball up. Yep. Yep. Just, uh, yeah, back in the, the days when I started umpiring, yeah, the bounce was in. And, um, yeah, I think as an umpire, you were more stressing about whether you could uh, get the bounce to go straight. So, yeah, I think definitely um, at regional level, anyway, uh, yeah, throw up's the way to go. Maybe AFL, I think, you know, what they're doing now is probably perfect. Bounce to the start of the game. Yep. And, uh, yeah, throw it up around the ground. So, sounds good. Beautiful. Uh, Mike's on AFL umpires. What were your thoughts? Good um, or bad? Yeah. Not sure. I think it's probably a bit of well, a raise, a raise, probably a bit over the top, mm-hmm. but it can be quite funny too to hear those guys. I think uh, at that level, yeah, definitely um, gives you a, a different perspective of one of the decision they made, but also probably more so the communication back to the players mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, it's, you know, they, they obviously notice they probably always speak pretty politely and, and they're, um, you know, saying the thanks and all that sort of stuff. So I think that probably teaches, you know, local umpires up here as well as players to be a bit more respective. So, yeah, not yeah. a bad idea, I reckon. You mentioned Razor, that's my next question. Yes. Uh, is he good or bad for the game, do you think? Uh, I think he probably goes a bit over the top. Um, but, you know, he's... He's um, a bit of a profile, doesn't he? He has, yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I think he's good for the game. And, you know, any positive vibe out there for, for umpiring, in my opinion, is good for the game. And um, and hopefully it, uh, it sparks people up to take the, to take the role on. So, um, so I think he's good for the game. You know, whether you agree with whether he does is... Is, you know, that's why the footy such a great game because it's all, it's all about interpretation, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. Uh, who's the lippiest player you've, you've had on the footy field? Who, who loves to give a bit of lip back to you, mate? Uh, well, back in the early day, uh, Nathan Tate was pretty bad, yeah, to be yeah. honest with you, and Tommy Hyde at Wankery. They were yep. both, um, yeah, pretty lippy, but mind you, were pretty respectful at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're probably back in the early day, you know, there's a way you can have a bit of banter between uh, umpires and players, isn't there? Definitely. I think also the umpire's got to be careful that he doesn't uh, communicate too much because sometimes if you say too much or or explain something, it can kind of backfire on you the next time you either make a decision. So I've always, uh, over the years, I think I've probably sometimes gone over the top with my communication. Um, but uh, I've learnt to kind of pull that back a little bit and just you know say what you, you think you should be said at that particular time. Um, but saying that, I think one of my strengths has been um, yeah, communication with the players and, you know, um, trying to be, you know, as human as you can out in the field. But, um, so, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, but, you know, there's, there's a fine line, I suppose, in that area. Yeah. And last one, who's the best umpire in the Riverland that you've officiated a game with? Uh, well, I umpired with Richie Roberts back in real, my real early days. Um, and he's obviously been, he's the umpire of the century. So he's, you know, obviously an elite umpire and at that stage was, you know, was probably a step above everyone else. Um, probably when I took 
the rollback on. You know, Mark Wilkes was, you know, he was uh, pretty hard to knock off with that goal and whistle. I'm not sure how many he won, but he would have, you know, probably won uh, you know, probably eight or something like that, I think. Um, so Wilkes, you know, probably my time has probably been, you know, the best umpire. I did. He went to, on to do umpire SA country games and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, probably Wilkes. But, you know, in recent times, you know, Jordan Wright is probably something that uh, a, a young lad that I get a bit of pride on because I was his mentor from a really age, uh, really early age. And, yeah. you know, he started doing um, boundaries, uh, went into goals, and then he now is, you know, he's a field umpire, went to the SANFL. In my opinion, probably could have gone to the next level, but he's a paramedic now and he's found himself back in the Riverland. So, um, so yeah, I'd say at currently Jordan Wright's no doubt the best umpire up here um, um, currently. But, yeah, like I said, you know, uh, Mark Wilkes probably and Richie Roberts, you know, um, you know they're probably guys over the last... You know, thirty to forty years anyway. That uh, you know, have been the standout umpires up here. Yeah, perfect, mate. Good on you. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Tom.